Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about running a game for brand new players. Running a game for people who've never played is a little bit different than any other game that you might run. Yes. <laughs> I concur. What kind of things should you consider uh, when running a game for brand new players? As a GM, if you're, you know, if you give the, you're given the the important task of introducing players to the hobby of RPGs, what considerations are pretty important? There's some pretty important things you should probably consider. It depends on the age of the people. Age, that's true. Of the group that you're playing. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, play, running a game for children and teenagers and then older teenagers and then adults might be a little bit different. It might be the different tact or different angle that you want to apply to running a game for those different groups. Yeah, for kids, you want it to be simple and easy and help them to learn. Make sure the first adventure is fun for them, right? Right. Right. You don't necessarily have to be a rules lawyer and kill them off because they accidentally stepped in your trap or something like that. Yeah, I think you should uh, consider definitely consider the age of the of the of your of your customers, right? In this case, you know, of the people who are going to play in your game, you know, little kids. I'm going to say little kids. You know, as young as you know, I, when I go to the convention, sometimes I run in the kids' room, and I did run quite a bit of games when I was uh, when my son was young, and because I wanted him to be able to play in games that at the convention so to ensure that i ran kids games in the kids room uh luckily we had you know very good kids rooms in in the local cons that were run very well by people who really knew what they were doing and i had a lot of fun i ran for kids as young as probably around seven through about 12 in the kids room because then then they can go into the teen room if they're 13 you know so so by the time my son turned 13 though he didn't want to go into the teen room he didn't want to he wanted to play with the big boys. Yeah, so he would just go straight to, you know, regular regular scheduled games. And, he, you know, he's done so pretty good so far. So, But playing for brand new kids, that might be different than playing for kids that already have played a little bit. But I think the same rules would apply for with if they've never experienced the game. What do they want to play? What game, what genre do they want to play? Do they want to play? D&D is probably the easiest fantasy genre. Yeah. For kids, because they're there's fun, but there's also like Gamma World. You ran Gamma World I ran for Gamma kids. For long, a lot of different times. I mean, uh, multiple times I ran Gamma World, and it was a lot of fun. I, in in fact, uh, some of the kids would come back to the the same kids would come back to my game. Uh, there was a, uh, I forget the name, but there was a, 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 a Connor and his little sister. They would come and play in my games. Of course, Augustine would play. But I would have these repeat kids come back to my game. Like, oh, you're going to run the yeah. And so they would come back and, and run. And, and I had the same characters for them. So they were very excited to be able to take their character back. Because I would have pre-made characters, obviously. But when you're running for kids, if, especially if they haven't played before, you want to make it exciting. You want to make it yes. fun. You want to make it light. You don't want anything serious for kids, right? No. You want them to, I think your your Gamma World game, they were looking for Gobble Gobbles or something yes. like that. Yeah, Gobble and, Gobbles are big turkey. And my, one of the games I've run for kids is to make them have fun. I put in lots of little suedo dragons and little um, little creatures that were meant to be there maybe as as one thing but the the kids turned them into their friends and right, things they like be that the, almost like pets and stuff so there was no it was just the game i ran for the kit for kids usually is just you need to go find these kids and rescue them right that kind of thing so they're excited about doing this right because and there's nothing nothing scary nothing even if they come across things 
I, I let them roll the dice as many times as they wanted, and I did all kinds of things. There was it was it was a, a fun game for kids. It wasn't necessarily by the rules, or it wasn't. So if somebody has been watching a real play, a live play, and wants to experience the game as an adult, this is not going to be the thing that you want to do, right? Unfortunately, we were still playing Pathfinder at the time, right? Yeah. And so you ran a kid's Pathfinder game. Yes. Which Pathfinder may not be the most little kid-friendly game there is out there uh, for brand new people who have never played before. Even though our son started playing Pathfinder when he was about seven or eight, simply because... You know, that was what was available. Yeah, it was available. And I guess I could have gone and said, oh, we could play AD&D, which I think is a little bit simpler without the, all the number crunching. But but I think it worked out well in the end, playing Pathfinder. But yeah, we were playing Pathfinder at the time. D&D 5th Edition had to come out. And you know that's a heck of a game system to try to get little kids to start to to play with. Luckily, you had people in there. We had people in mixed with the, with the brand new kids. And you had to play. You had our not son. Only, and and had, yeah, uh, our friends. Our kids. friends play. But not only that, but when you're playing with, and I told the boys, just let them roll the dice. It doesn't matter if they hit or not. Just let them roll it until they hit and let them have fun. And although the boys balked at that for a second, <laughs> then they're like, oh, I see what you mean. Because they were little kids. They were like between seven and ten. They were right? tiny. And they were tiny. And our sons were like, what, eight or nine? I mean, they, didn't they, they were a little bit older. They didn't seem like they, they... They were more experienced. Yeah. The age wasn't the difference. The difference was experience. Yeah. Yes. And and once they got the idea that we were there to make sure that these people had fun, and they got to have fun too, because they got to do crazy, crazy stuff. Crazy stunts, and, yeah. And, and make everybody laugh and have fun doing stuff. But... I think that's the most important thing for the first game is that it's not necessarily a serious game, right? Like, yeah. Well, it depends on the or on topics the, that are going to cause people pain or anything. <laughs> it depends. Again, 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 everything depends on the on the group you are introducing to role playing games. You know, if they're all adults and they want to play, you know, if if their interest is Cthulhu, then you're going to run a Cthulhu light game. If right. they've all read Cthulhu and or HP uh, Lovecraft. And want to you know want to experience that kind of game? I heard there's a game based on the HP Lovecraft, and we're all HP Lovecraft fans. Oh, okay. Then you're gonna run HP Lovecraft storyline, and you're gonna be it's gonna be spooky and weird and stuff like that. And it's something that they like. So part of deciding what game to run as as the GM is the table is who you're running the game for. Along with age comes interest, right? What if you know? If, like I said. Call of Cthulhu fans probably want to play a Call of Cthulhu game. They probably, you know, that would really be interesting to them. You know, you could run Champions, a superhero game. You could, but... But if they're Call of Cthulhu fans, they're not yes, going to want one. Well, not, not that we're not going to want to, but I think you should push their buttons, right? You should push the, the things that make them, make them tick. If they really like Call of Cthulhu and you know they do, then by all means run a Call of Cthulhu game. The only problem is, or is find it, someone who knows how to run a call. Of the game. <laughs> only problem is, if you don't never ramp, then that's going to be harder. That's a little bit harder. But I think anything, if you are catering to a group of people and you don't necessarily have a lot of experience with that game, you know, the other thing I was going to say is play a game that you have a lot of experience with. But let's say you have a lot of experience with Pathfinder, and they're not really interested in a high fantasy game. They're interested in science fiction. You know, the, the group comes from a science fiction book club. Well, what are you gonna do? Well, they do. Well, Pathfinder now has what's it called? Stargazer, Starfinder, star, Starfinder, but or some star whatever. But let's say they're interested in uh, the Expanse, 
So there's an Expanse book out there, book, or you can use one of these uh, core books that are that have uh, that can use for any genre like GURPS, uh, Genesis, and uh, there's some. There might be a couple other ones that I can't think of at the moment, but use a generalistic rules and apply the skin of whatever game that they want to play, and just keep it simple, right? You know, you, they're they're not that experienced with role playing games or have no experience, no experience with role playing games. So, you know, provide a fun adventure that they're going to enjoy. So that includes you want to provide the characters for them. I would say if they, if, yeah. they, if they want to make their own characters and stuff, that's fine. But maybe not for the first game. Give them a, an idea. See, just make characters and let them pick. Yeah, I think most, if they've never played role-playing games, then they have no concept of making a character. So if you hand them a character... They may have they may have heard about it. They may have heard about it. They, you know. If, I mean, we're talking about people who've never yeah. played before. Then, I think it's I think it cuts a lot of time, uh, maybe a little bit of a headache, and and people getting kind of bored with the idea of making a character. And some character uh, making processes are really difficult, long, really long. Yes. Right, making a character for uh, especially when they say you need to come up with a backstory, and you're like, going, uh, <laughs> you've never played this before. You're like. Is this a test or a game? No, well, like making a game for like uh, what is it, Shadowrun, new Star Wars games, that would take too much time out of your out of the first session. Also, how long is their session going to be? Is it going to be a four hour session, two hours? I've heard of games being played in two hours, at, even at conventions. Like, well, two hours, wow, that's kind of crazy. Uh, two, four, five, six, eight hour game. I mean, we're in for a long haul. I'd say you want to not make it more than four hours for their first game. In that case, you really have to jump into the adventure, right? right. So, pre-made characters definitely help in that sense. Uh, we, I think we used, uh, we we did tackle this this sort of this on on a brand new GM. If you're a brand new GM, what do you want to do? Some of these might overlap a little bit, but these like we're, we're right now we're talking about brand new players that you that you know have never played before. So, pre-made characters uh, again, pick a subject that the characters the characters that the players are into. You know, they may not all be into science fiction, right? But if you know most of them really like uh, the Lord of the Rings or or the Expanse novels and or TV show, you know, there's almost a book, there's a RPG for it, almost any genre. You know, I was, you know, I listen to or I'm on a mailing list for Modifius, and they sent me a, they have a Fallout RPG. They're, no, they're going to have Fallout RPG. They're going to have a, a Dishonored RPG coming out. Then there's Dune coming out. So, <laughs> Jolene just kind of rolls her eyes at Dune because she didn't like the she didn't like it in the movies or the book, but uh, but it's a huge you know what is it a huge there's a huge fan base for a lot of these games right you yes know, these subjects yes. Uh, not games yet some of these haven't been made but there's this huge uh, uh, number of people out there who love. Certain. But like Saul says, you can take a, a generic roll twenty system, or you could take a, a GURPS or something and yeah. make it easy for everybody to know you don't have and you can make the rules light for their first game right i think that you should make it fun you should make it not too serious you should make it like a maybe a miss a little mystery to solve or or if it's a high adventure game they need to go and rescue the princess or or something like that it depends on on the people and what what they want i would cut out too much fighting scenes which you tend to take a long time but you could have a small one in there just so they can see what it's like right but you don't want to get too have rules heavy when you're if you want them to come back and they're not into 
rules heavy stuff. So much since they're new, they don't know. So much depends on the group that you're you're running. Uh, but but if you don't know any of that, wow, you just know that they they've never played before. You know that that's pretty tough. I think uh, of running something that almost everybody knows, like the D and D, is is not a bad choice. D and D is not probably the easiest system to learn, but you know we played it when we were, you know, eleven years old. My son started playing Pathfinder was eight, so it's not entirely difficult. You know, it's not prohibitively difficult to run those kind of games. But if you, but like I really think that if you can hit something that that the group might like, or you know that they like, then running the game uh, in that genre. But uh, yeah, in that genre is probably a pretty good thing. Rules light, yes. Rules light systems are out there. You know, some fate accelerated is probably pretty rules light. Uh, there is, I can't think of another one. You probably don't want to start them off with Shadowrun, <laughs> where you have to figure out not only how to make your character, but everything involves calculation. Well, you could have had pre made characters, but still, the, the, the mechanic, unless you keep the mechanic really simple, right? Unless you, you know, you, I've done it with Space Opera. You know, so, so funny thing is, is that that I put down here. You know, you probably don't want to run space opera, but I ran space opera at conventions. But there were people who knew how to play role playing games, but they had never played space opera before. So space opera is very crunchy. Very crunchy, right? So you know, I would stay away from something like space opera and Shadowrun. But space opera, I mean, space opera was just to 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 uh, the combat was kind of crazy. There was uh, to hit. You know, the, you had a roll to hit. You had a roll. There was modifiers from the attacker, modifiers from the defender. There was penetration rules of armor. There was a. Uh, there were lots of charts involved. There's lots of charts. Yeah, there's a. And percentile hit location bias. tables, right? Hit yes. location tables. And my and question then, was, do I have to roll high or low? That's always my question. And, uh, yeah, it would change too. You and know, it wanna, would change, yeah, and that's would, why I had to ask the question every time. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a, a well. I would say it was a well thought out game, but like, like. Like there's certain certain games now where the goal is always to roll low, right? No matter what you're right. doing, whether you're fighting, whether you're trying to think of something, or the other uh, the reverse, you're trying to roll high. But in space opera, it was it would go back and forth. And then there was like the hit location tables. There was the severity of the wound table. Was it a light hit, a great a raising hit, moderate hit, or you know whatever? So probably wouldn't use all the rules of space opera when I ran it at conventions. I really Took away a lot of that other that stuff and just hit, just use like damage table, you know, damage table. I didn't really care where you hit people and stuff like that. So, but you know, but I had modified it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you could modify Shadowrun easy. You know, let, you just look at the basic uh, uh, character sheet and say, oh, just add this this skill to this attribute and roll the dice. If you roll a five or six, you make it. Right. You know. Yeah, don't have to include well under these circumstances. You, you have know. this many soak dice yeah. and blah 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 and and blah. Yeah, blah. I definitely simplify stuff. I Especially think... if your goal is to get these people to pl- want to play more. Well, I, oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious because oh, you want. I guess if the goal, yeah, if your goal is to make sure that they never ever play ever again, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, rush out, run there with all the rules. Uh, yeah, but I guess again, what's your intent as a GM? Are you trying to eliminate other people from playing, or are you you trying to bring people into the fold, right? So this is this is this is a topic that is topical because there's so many live plays out there. So people see live plays of from what Critical Role, and there's a Acquisitions couple Acquisitions Incorporated or yeah, any other any other people you can see. 
and they really want to play those games, right? So there, there may be expectations that you may not know are there, right? I saw this. I saw them playing this game. I've watched the whole season, and <laughs> that's what I want. And if you haven't watched that season or you don't know what they're talking about, then yes, uh, uh, yeah, right. Where are these players coming from? Are they coming from people who watch Critical Role and they've? Because they're going to have a high expectations of your table if that's <laughs> where they're coming from. Because those are voice actors and actors who, I mean, they play D and D or but they're but they're they're the also whole, actors. They're right? actors, so right? We use so that they, talent. So you're going to be sitting at a table with people who don't really know how to do that, but Maybe. want to. Maybe, yeah. Yes. Where where does this interest come from to play a role playing game? Does it come from watching it on? Uh, TV shows like if they want to play Doctor Who and they know more about Doctor Who than you, then you're you know that kind of thing. No, yeah, there's that, but I'm talking about like if they watched the uh, what's that Stranger Things, mm-hmm. if they watched the uh, Big Bang Theory, you know, there's there's games being played, role playing games being played in that game, but is it the way they you most people play? I think most times when they show it, it's not. That's not how you usually play a role-playing game. They play an exaggerated version of, of role-playing. Yes. Uh, Community had a, one episode about Dungeons & Dragons, and and it was hilarious and funny, but you know, that's not the way a a, a well, Even Big session. Bang Theory, Sheldon rolls dice to tell you what happens. He has a chart that tells you what happens. That's like a really old style, right? Well, no, it never existed. That's more like a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. Right? That's what it is. And nobody runs games like that. Nobody runs games to see what what you encounter. But uh, I don't think there's a, I haven't come across a game like that. So where does where does your audience come from? Another uh, thing to consider, especially like like you said, if they come from Critical Role or watching other people play, then you know that's something that you got to consider. I, it may not change your style at all, but it, it gives you an idea to know what they're what they may be expecting. Because a lot about role playing is expectations, and yes well anything is expectation well and then there's there's, you know then there's interest based on tv shows like game of thrones right if they watch game of thrones if they watch the expanse if they watch uh any show until if they watch downton abbey i want to play a role-playing game based on downton abbey i heard there's a role-playing game based on downton abbey right and so and would you want you know so that's a totally different game than if they watch terminator right right i want to play terminator okay there is a game terminator out no there is i don't don't think there is but or yeah or Downton Abbey. Those two groups of people are going to want totally different type of <laughs> games, right? I'm just telling you, they, you know, they don't want uh, Downton Abbey, you know. Uh, They're not m- going to want Terminator. Mr. Darcy's not going to you know, pull out his blunderbuss and start blowing people away, you know, as he walks down the, sh- uh, the halls of Downton Mr. Abbey. Mr. Darcy's not in Downton Abbey. <laughs> well, same difference, right? Same difference. Same genre. That's something that you got to consider is, is where these players are coming from, at least as far as, you know, what brings them to the table. I, you know, it could, yeah, like I say, it could be based on the movies, TV shows, MMOs, MMOs. You know, they, oh, I played World of World, World, ugh, World of Warcraft, and there's a World of Warcraft role playing game. Yes, there was. Yes, yes, there was. I don't think it's, it's not in print anymore. But, but if you're coming from that, that kind of genre, you know, uh, that kind of group of people, well, this is a role playing game. Yeah, it's a role playing game, and. And yeah. MMO is supposedly a role-playing game, mm-hmm. right? Is everybody uh, you talk to, you know, an experience bag and loot dropper, right? <laughs> I hit you and all kinds of coins fall out of you. You know, that might be a different different, different game than uh, than if you want want to, you know, uh, study uh, uh, 
uh, not study, but run a game based on a mystery of of who killed, you know, whatever. So I think some of the things you should also consider are you don't want the game to be too serious. You want it to be fun for the first game. Yes, Um, definitely. It's a game. It's not a test. A lot of people that sit down, new players that sit down to role-playing games are going to feel, some of them, when you ask them, what do you do, may have no idea what you mean. So you might want to, you know, have a little conversation about that. You know, I'm going to put out the scenario and I'm going to ask each of you what it is you want to do. And if they look confused or scared then move on to somebody else somebody or, or maybe have somebody at the table who knows what they're doing to kind of um help a little bit to, ah, to, yes. to to be the first person to talk so that people can get comfortable with it right listen help from from your friends maybe plant a, a an experienced player in a group that would definitely help uh but you don't want them to run the whole game run the whole or, game yeah, right yeah. and and then that and i guess have a talk to the people before obviously before you start playing you know because people say well you could you know you could do anything you want okay i'm gonna flap my wings and fly into the castle well no that, okay that's not what i meant <laughs> you know that's that's not what i meant okay i'm gonna teleport myself into the into the into the treasure you room. don't have that skill okay huh? well, well you said i could do anything i wanted so you know understand you know understand this what your character, what the characters yes. can do that you're what, playing. What exactly? Yeah. Not exactly, but what are the parameters that yeah. that the people can do? Then, Some games you could do that, yeah. right? And you want to make sure that they know that it's a cooperation game. It's, you don't want to kill your fellow players. Ah, oh, yes. The murder hobo that comes out. and Yes, that would probably be difficult to, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that'd be difficult to, not difficult, but I think it. There's some people who that's the way they want to play, right? They, right? they think that's the way they want to play, or that's what they want to do. Unless the whole group wants to be that way, I would say definitely uh, put the kibosh on something like that, because that could really, it could really piss somebody off who's getting killed or robbed or whatever. And that's not what you're trying to do. I'm hoping you're trying to keep people or bring people to into the hobby, into the hobby, not you know push them away. Uh, some people have said that before. They have had such horrible experiences when they first played ever that they never went back until years later when a friend of them, uh, a friend of theirs, playing role playing games, and goes, and uh, and they said, "Oh, I tried that years ago, but it was terrible." And so, and then once they played with a you know, a non ridiculous group or non murder hobo group or whatever it was, they really enjoyed it. They go, "Oh, this is actually really fun." And then, you know, obviously they had a horror story to start off with, but but. Uh, but yeah, you don't want to be that somebody's horror story, right? You don't want to run a game that drives people away. At least, you know, hopefully fine. you don't. Hopefully you don't. If you do, you're probably not listening to my. I podcast think it's either. important that you make sure that they know the GM is their friend, not their adversary. Yes, it's not. Yes, it's not you against them. And a lot of people think it is. You know, even experienced players, you know, who play a lot of games, uh, think that it's an adversarial situation, that it's uh, the GM versus the players. Which, you know, I hate to tell you, but the g- players will always lose because the gym can do anything they want, right? <laughs> they literally can do anything they want. <laughs> they can unlike, teleport things. Unlike the players, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, dragon uh, teleports on top of you. And this comes from you, kills you. from <laughs> those of those who's been playing since D&D was around, came, came about, right? The idea that sometimes the GM seemed adversarial maybe he was at that time but gms today are not necessarily adversarial if they are 
then you may not want to play in their games. Right. It depends on the kind of game you want. And a lot of people have a problem with that because they do think the GM is trying to kill them. And <laughs> I have friends who they're rules lawyers because of that, right? They right. want to make sure that... that they get know. a fair shake. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so you don't want that. Another resource I like to use are quick start rules because the quick start rules are usually uh, available through either drive through RPG or, or PDF format. And so some of them are printed. If if you go to they have an RPG day, a day, RPG day, where they give out free stuff, and sometimes they print these quick start rules. So th- what I like about quick start rules or starter box sets, D and D has one, Star Wars has one. A lot of games have started to use the box sets, the starter sets, which include nice, colorful uh, R- uh, what is printouts, RPG? printouts of character sheets with pictures and stuff. And I think those are really neat. I think if you can get your hands on one for the game that you want to run, uh, it helps you quite a bit. Uh, has a you know has a really nice pretty sheet that the char- that the pl- character that the players will like. Ooh, ah, this is really neat. Also, they usually involve include a, a quick adventure that's meant to be played in a short a amount of time. time, and they're not very difficult. You know, they're they're not too complicated. So I definitely would look for quick start rules if they're available. For the game that you're running, and if not, maybe just with each character sheet and make it make it pretty. Just like when you're, just like if you're running a game for a convention or something, print out pictures of the characters, print out pictures of the of the bad guys, right? And or whatever, however you do it, get the figures out, make it make a little. Some people have you know all the scenery and everything. That may all, all those kind of things are extras because you don't need them, right. but it might make the game more exciting for for right. new players. And then, like I, I don't usually do this, but Jolene's always used them, and I and I'm a worse GM for not using it. Is uh, the pictures of of the encounters, right? So if you're playing, with, you know, even if you're playing D and D, and and these people have never played D and D before. And you go, oh, it's a, sh-, you know, you don't just des- describe a shambling mound, but like, they're like, wow, what is a shambling? You know, your description, you know, words are sometimes very hard. It's very hard to convey description sometimes, you know, and if you're not very talented in that, in that area, you know, you whip out a, a picture of a shambling mound. And because they're new players, they're like, oh my God, look at that thing. Well, they may not, you know, grasp exactly what you're. You know, they're not going to know what a cobalt looks like, or they're right. not going to know what a, a dire wolf is. I mean, they may have ideas, but um, a dire know. wolf maybe, but but a cobalt or goblin, well, what's the difference? Okay, here you go. Like, oh yeah, okay. Then you can see the difference, right? The same thing with like they're you're describing a spaceship to them. They're not going to necessarily. <laughs> is it a Star Trek spaceship or is it a? Do you oh, talk yeah. to the computer and it does what you want it to, or right. is it a? Is it a? What is it? Firefly spaceship where you have to hit stuff with hammers to get it to work? Oh, the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so the, yeah. Or, of so course. any kind of pictures or any kind of anything that's going to be helpful. Yeah, visual aids. Is say. visual aids. And also that helps people to have the same idea in their head. Because everybody's right. going to have a different picture in their yes. head of what's happening. Yes, especially if you're just describing things. Everybody's going to have like a slightly different picture in their head about what you're talking about. Or have a total misconception, which is right. something and you don't want to have. Maps are good. Maps are always helpful. Any kind of any kind of props that you would use for your regular players. Obviously, if you're if you run games all the time, you're going to have that, right? But right. if you don't, you have a mat and you're you're drawing stuff. Pictures do help, right? Yeah, I think maybe you know, uh, uh. and it helps role playing too. If you 
if you ha- can show them stuff, right, and then you put a voice to it or you say, you know, this guy comes up to you and he talks and he says this. Right. And what do you say? Um, you could ask, you could ask him, you, and then if they if they're inexperienced, obviously they are since they've never played before. You say, you know, when someone comes up and talks to you, you know, ask them questions, figure out what's going on, um, that kind of thing, right? Yes. Yeah, it, uh, be a good ambassador of the of the of this hobby, and you know maybe you run games for your friends all the time, but you know if you're running for like brand new players, you know maybe step up your game, like Jolene says, use scenery, use figures. If you just use a mat, and you know, and everybody enjoys that because of you know, uh, expediency, you know. But you bring out a little bit of scenery, either like trees and stuff like that. I think it makes it pretty cool, and people like really like it. Really, you know, brings people into the game. You know, when they see stuff like that, especially the pictures and anything and maps. If you have maps of stuff, you know, that just it eliminates one eliminates confusion or. Or misthinking about what you misinterpreting what you said, and it really brings people into the game, especially if they've never played. I mean, new 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 players are like, "Wow, oh, this is really neat," you know. And the more you get them immersed into the into the scenario, into the game, the more role playing that is actually done. Um, the more the more likely they're going to come back and want to do it again. Right. In fact, uh, I didn't have a whole table of brand new players, but I had this. I was running Star Trek, and I had this one lady who was never played before and wasn't that much of a Star Trek fan. But she was her boyfriend was a Star Trek fan. Anyway, so hence I'll, the reason she was the new player. So I, I go asked her what she was doing, and she like she froze. I go, no problem, just think about it. You know, this is your you know you, this is your role in the ship, but you don't have to definitely you know necessarily do exactly what what you know you think that entails. You can do anything you want. And so slowly but surely, she came out of that that new person shell. Where like. You know, but she was kind of intimidated by the people who might have been. She might have been intimidated by the well, people. Well, Star Trek <laughs> brings out the the people that you know. The, you got Star Trek fans, yeah. right? And they love it. Some of them dress up, and and they they come with their A game, and and that can be intimidating yeah. to someone who has never played before. So, but it can also be an exciting experience because you see how excited these people are, and as long as the GM isn't looking at you going, "And what are you going to do now? <laughs> you need to tell me now." <laughs> Then you know you'll be okay, but if if you do that, you might that person may never come back. Realize that that if you get into any any kind of encounter, they may they may do things that that most experienced players would not do. But just let it go, right? Or like make mistakes, like well, you know, you you might want to like counsel them, like well, if you do that, you know, the chances of you being successful are really low, and the chances of you surviving are really also very low. So you know, are you sure your character would think? Just you know, you know, help yeah. them out in that sense. Yeah. Because a lot of players, you know, they have no idea. You know, there's no con. They don't have the idea of consequences for their actions in any game. So like, well, if I can do anything I want, you know, that's the conception that most players, new players, have. Then you know, I could do. I just could do it, right? Just no, you know, exp- you know, explain, explain as a GM to your players that okay, there's times where you will not be able to do things automatically. That's what the dice is for, are for, and they propel a story that we don't know what what the ending is going to be so if you do something that's really crazy then you know your chance for success are really low but it'd be really fantastic if you do but the chances for harm are really high high too so so you know that's something that that might be something that a new player will definitely have have a problem with is is consequences for their actions because they everybody thinks oh i can do anything i want 
I should be able to do it. I should be able to do it because it, it's a role-playing game. No, it's not quite that way. Some. So if you're lucky enough to get to run a game for new players, yeah. try to make it as exciting as possible. Try to make it as um, as easy as possible for them to enjoy and make it so they want to come back and play more. Right. You make it as fun as you can make it. And that's what success is. That's how you measure success is by how much fun you're having. And if you're having fun and you're presenting a fun game, then I think you know that that's the best way to go. Hopefully you'll have new players and you'll get to run a player a game for new players. Have fun. This is Gaming Perspectives with, with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. <laughs>